Yeah, so what do cows do? I was yeah. having an argument with somebody about this yeah. that I work with, and I was talking about how I cows, like... They're completely wrong, whatever they're... Yeah. <laughs> but cow, how cows... I was just like, I really don't like having cows... What is going on with that kid in the background? There's a kid. <laughs> they're kidding. And after... Yeah, and after... <laughs> dude, I... So I won't go into details of what I read... But it was about a serial killer in Idaho. And uh, I read it this morning super early. I just woke up at like 4 in the morning. I was like, uh, <laughs> look this up. <laughs> and, um, oh, man. But it's made me so, like, watchful. Yeah. Like, I saw, I saw this car that was parked kind of near this young, probably she was like probably six years old, and she was driving a four-wheeler. And then there was another guy in a car that was just looking at her. And I just, I couldn't, I mean, I'm always kind of looking out for that. But it, I just was even more vigilant. And I just had to kind of just, I pulled over a little bit and just waited till he drove off. Yeah. And it was probably just some guy who just got in his car. Yeah. And he was driving away. And then people probably looked at me like, who's this guy? <laughs> who's this creep in the dark tinted window Honda? A chain of like <laughs> watchful going. people. Like, um, b- before we go back to the Oh, the cows, Bundys. Um, and the cows. When I was in first grade, I heard a, I think they warned us that a like, suspicious guy was like seen in in town and he'd tried to get a kid to go in his car or something and uh they told us this in like class and i remember um like cody and i think like matt stevens and some of them like were talking about how they were gonna beat the guy up and i took a pocket knife to school thinking <laughs> like it's like i really hope this guy shows up and i'll like, like, I'll, That's awesome. I'll teach him a lesson, like a six-year-old kid with a pocket <laughs> knife. Like, but uh, yeah, I rem I remember I was in Taco Bell when I was probably the same age as that kid I was just talking about, like probably like six years old, and I was I was with my mom, and there were these older guys, and they could have been just like fifteen, but they seemed way old to me. They seemed like adults, but they mm. were still kids. But this one guy, he kept looking at me and, like, making funny faces at me. And I got to a point where I said, stop it, you butthead. <laughs> and my mom was like, Kevin. And I was like, well, he was making faces at me. And I just think, like, where's that little boy now? Yeah. When I'm a man, I don't have that kind of confidence. I wouldn't do that now. <laughs> some some punks were, like, giving me faces. I'd probably just get up and leave or <laughs> pretend then, they're not doing it like if it were like a grown man by himself like oh yeah that'd be, that'd be weird. so scary but just like some 15 year old like it would have been dick, like a like, like a cody and jane right, <laughs> some punks some straight edge punks <laughs> yeah but you're so uh, what did the guy at uh oh. at work what were his uh like 
He basically just well said thought out arguments. I, I'm wrong because um, hopefully all this crackling isn't bad, but maybe it's like ASMR. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But um, that I don't I don't know I don't remember. So said, like that basically it shows uh, less government control. That guy. Like, I want to kick him in the head and, like, put a moron. Like, what did, that's, well, what did the Bundys say? Pretty much that, like... Yeah. And so... Because isn't it govern government land? Yeah, it's government land, but they want it to be private land, which they'd have to maintain. But, I, like, there's a lot of contradictions. Like, public land, ideally, you'd more or less leave it alone unless you followed, like, some sort of, like, biology-based... Uh, management right like like you might plant trees or you might um build up a, an embankment or something to prevent erosion or like uh, you know hopefully just for the the health of the environment which there's like all sorts of different definitions of that but right. but it's like these hicks think that like um that well, for example, there's a group of, like, rich people, probably, like, Ted Turner's involved or something, even though he's a rancher, but, like, um, who are trying to start a, what do they call it? It's, like, the American Grassland Project, or I'd have to look it up, but I believe it's either in western Montana or it might cover part of the Dakotas, but... Uh, they want to buy up a ton of land um, and turn it into a preserve, like a nature preserve. And there's ranchers in that area who they're offering to pay for their land. And the some of them are even refusing that because they believe in this weird, like, um, like stewardship, like this really, like, like, I think, idiotic like interpretation of um like you know genesis or something like you're supposed to work the land and and so make what it what would they fruitful. say about like yellowstone i mean those guys like i don't think they i you know i i'd i'd be surprised if ammon bundy thought that they should like put a bunch of casinos there or something you know but like um, these guys, they really do think that, uh, federal land in a state is a, is a disadvantage for the state, like, um, which makes no sense to me, but, but they take it as, like, if a proportion of your land within your borders is not controlled by you, like, you know, that, that's a violation of their view of the Constitution or something, like, like, uh, I don't know. It's hard to, like, there might be people with more coherent arguments, and uh, there is some, like, gosh. I mean, Ammon Bundy, I think he has, like, a few, like, really boneheaded beliefs, and he's, like, really consistent with them. Like, he, he went on to, like, Facebook Live or something and was talking about how he supported... Black Lives Matter and protesting against police brutality and all these 
MAGA people like freaked out because you know they have no coherent thoughts in their head at all. But like, so he joined. He didn't. Gave but support. He gave support, and he also gave support to the migrant caravan. Like, wow. Two years ago or whatever. It's surprising. Like, I'm not me. a fan of Ammon Bundy, but he's he sticks to principles. Right. He's one of the only people, only prominent people on the right that I'm aware of, who um is consistent and like I I'm definitely biased but I um I don't know that made me like him a tiny bit more but yeah me too but like cows like I don't know I mean that guy that's like such a dumb argument but well, it's is not there any like, is there any benefit to having no cows in a forest none at all like because so what is what do they do people so people will say like you have to it's like log it, graze it, or watch it burn. It's like something that really stupid people will say. Oh my gosh, is that reminds me of a quote from so Bill Burr <laughs> was watching uh what's that show called that Trump used to The Apprentice? The Apprentice. Yeah. And there was this just kind of just douchebag guy on it and he his his motto thing that he always says lead follow or get out of the way <laughs> like and that's what that's what it reminds me of. like stuff like that just like like um i've had people recommend like tim ferris and stuff and i i've listened to some of his podcasts and i i i like him but that kind of industry of like self-help like Oh yeah. yeah, like it bothers me. Yeah, like there's definitely some value there, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't you know, know I've never really thought about it until much. right now that it does bother me, but I don't know. I haven't thought enough about it to really think why it does. But there is something about. It seems to be really prominent in in America. Yeah, yeah. Self help kind of gurus, Dog's especially part. like dating stuff i don't oh, know yeah. I, I see stuff like that on youtube all the time uh -huh. of how to interact with girls mm -hmm. women women like this women don't like this and then there's the opposite then there's um women coaches who are teaching women how to interact with men and it's like based off of these really broad generalizations or yeah yeah it's like i'm sure i don't know like with anything there's probably a little bit to it and maybe just like gets you maybe a bit of confidence i don't know but, but you know, yeah what did like, that have to do on um, tim ferris with did that have something to do with like the or is it more the lead follow get out of the way oh so yeah it was that and then it made me think of like like self-help in general and like tim ferris might be the the uh the one I've been recommended the most and the one who seems to be a little more thoughtful than a lot of those yeah. self-help things. Yeah, he's more, he has a deeper mind, I think. Yeah. But, like, for the, like, grazing or logging, like, definitely, like, animals, like, foraging. And you might have covered this with Cody. I, I listened to that one a while back, but... Uh, like oh you, you talked about cows competing with deer and elk and stuff right um like foraging does reduce fuel load but like 
Um, you know, you get rid of cows, there's going to be less competition for deer and elk. Uh, cows spread disease. Um, there's no reason why uh, bison couldn't live everywhere cows are now. And I mentioned that to some rancher guy, and he said they're too hard to manage. I thought, like, you know, you're like a coal miner. Like, you, there's <laughs> no reason for your job to exist anymore, sadly. And you should find something that... For ranching? Yeah, is, like, less destructive, like... But, yeah, cows, so, like, they're destructive in, in the way that they are um they're a european animal right like they were imported so they need way more water than a bison american bison or like a deer or an elk will and so they'll go to these creeks like any sort of river or creek like riparian environment and and they'll just wallow in it like a like a water buffalo, you know, and just, like, wreck it. Like, my dad mm -hmm. said there used to be, like, all kinds of fish in, like, Canyon Creek and, like, that creek. I think it's just called Moody Creek, like, up by the dam up in the Moody. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, used to be tons of fish up there, and cows have totally ruined that. Like, like when, like, it just drives me nuts when, when people say, like, cows are a symbol of, like, freedom and stuff, when, like... It's freedom for, like, 500 people in the whole country to um, wreck a whole bunch of land and ruin it for everyone else. Like, it's like, I think uh, there should be, th things should be framed a lot more in the way that, like, what's going to provide the, uh, the best experience for the most amount of people, you know, like, right. I don't know, like if it's good to be like totally like utilitarian or whatever, like I don't, you know, as far as like political philosophy goes, but I, but I do. And also it's probably not good to like think about, uh, wilderness and nature as like a commodity, like, like, if we don't have cows here, then we'll bring in this many more tourist dollars because it's a nicer place. Like, mm -hmm. I think we should really try to get into our minds that, like, it's, like, a privilege to be able to go up into the woods. And right. It's, like, not – we don't own it, you know. And, like, Well, yeah. and just, like, how farmers – these is this correct that – most every farmer now are big farmers. Right? Oh, yeah. And is it that way with ranchers as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, like, the Bundys are kind of unique in the way that they're not super wealthy. Like, as much as I dislike them, again, like, they live that lifestyle. Whereas, like, you got Ted Turner, like, the big lib guy who, like made his money in media and now pretends to be a cowboy yeah. and like you got the Simplot family you got like I don't even know like m hardly any ranchers are even like doing it as a family business right like it's mostly um, big conglomerates and stuff which 
you know, I have no sympathy at all for, like, I don't know. It would be, like, Cody and I were out on that fishing trip, right? And, like, cows were everywhere, like, in some of the places we went. And you just think about, just go up with a big box of shells and start poaching cows. And <laughs> it's like, but cows didn't do anything. They don't deserve to be. No. Indiscriminately but, slaughtered if you're not going to eat him. But, but it's okay if that thought crosses <laughs> your mind, you know? But if you could invent a thing that, like a dart, that would make the cows taste really bad, like, <laughs> I'd totally do that. <laughs> like, Just, I've heard recently that um, the antibiotics, George was trying to explain this to me, the antibiotics that cows consume or are forced to I don't know circulate throughout their body Mm -hmm. that that weakens our immune systems it could I George was talking about I'm probably really no I mean um, I don't know that much about it the only things that I have heard are that antibiotics you know obviously with humans like there's a big problem with people not finishing their antibiotics so you have uh, um, whatever it doesn't kill you know bacteria wise they that bacteria has been selected for so like it'll be more resistant to the antibiotic so the idea is you finish your antibiotics and and the bacteria will be uh, totally decimated so it can't reproduce as like a and it's so scary that like you got people who can't even like brush their teeth like more than every couple times a week and like you expect them to like take every bit of their antibiotics or you have doctors who just prescribe it because you know like they don't really know what to do you know sometimes you just say well we'll try antibiotics and see if that works and but, um, yeah, I don't, and I don't know. Is there a lot of na- unnatural things that are pumped into cows, though, to make them larger than they naturally are or to make them more, you know, they're producing more muscle? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read fat. that much about it, and I don't know. I know that, well, I mean, I've sort of lightly read about it in the way that most of what I know about cows comes from books about public land, so... They mostly just talk about their effect on the environment. Oh, well. Le- you- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say um, before I forget another thing that it's not the cows themselves that are doing this, but uh, the Forest Service or the BLM will um, tear up juniper forests and uh, plant uh, non-native grasses to give cows more things to eat. So it's like. And also, I don't know, we, we can come back to that, but it it's like a whole deal. But, uh, like, there's a big difference between, like, factory farming, as far as I know, and, like, uh, free range, like, open range grazing. Like, and cows, they'll go through different stages of feed. Like, I think they're often, like grass-fed beef is like a big deal because grass is a better protein source than corn is and a lot of cows eat 
like I think it's called silage. It's like fermented corn. It's just like a cheap. Is it because it's feed. cheap? Yeah, and like I think they'll feed them that for quite a while, and then they'll finish them with, with like hay or something. I don't, I don't know. And like a pup, like a cow that is, like, grown up on the moody, like, um, like I assume that they just eat the grasses up there and stuff i don't know if they get into the sage or whatever i I assume that would make them taste kind of gamey you know but like Mm -hmm. um um and and they might end up they might end their lives at like a factory farm or or something i i don't really know and it might depend like you know the rancher might sell off a few to be slaughtered like immediately or send some off to be finished somewhere but so i don't know how much attention the cows on the range get as far as like antibiotics and uh things like that go but yeah well, how it's, did it's interesting. how did that even occur that cows could just go out into public land i think it was uh i think as sad as it is and i guess like every president even like the most decent ones including lincoln did like really terrible stuff but like um, Roosevelt, I think, was a big like Teddy Roosevelt was a big part of uh, opening up rangeland to um, like ranching. And you know, back then it might have not seemed so ridiculous. You know, like you have a lot of land. Like I don't know, it's hard to it's hard to say what uh, do the ranchers like. Say I was a rancher and. I let out all my cows out in Moody. Do I have to pay the government to have the cows out there? Um, yeah, um, and the grazing, like, they have these allotments, and the BLM is generally in charge of them. And uh, and it, the Moody, I think, is a lot of private land, so I that might be kind of complicated. But, uh, um, like, you just have, like, a bunch of BLM land, and it's rated for a certain number of... Uh, what's it called? AUM, I think. It's an animal unit month. And it's... An animal unit is considered a cow and a calf pair. And um, so if your land is... Ra- if this allotment, this like parcel of BLM land is rated for like 20 AUMs, like you can graze like 20 pairs of cows and calves for a for a month okay or like something like that like um and so they they do have to pay um a grazing fee and it's like it's tiny it's like so it's it's significantly less than if they had to provide their own their own hay or grass or corn yeah for the cattle absolutely like it's hugely subsidized um in fact it's so favorable to the ranchers and this is really sad and disappointing because i'd i'd love it if ranching was totally ended in the west because it doesn't belong out here like but um a private ranch might uh i mean i think to graze land you have to own and it might be different in different areas um but i think you have to own 
some land that uh, is adjacent to the land you're going to graze. And so um, some ranchers, I think, own quite a bit of land in the West. And the sad thing is they wouldn't be able to afford to keep their ranch if they didn't have access to all that public land. So um, I think the one and only good argument there is for public land ranching is it keeps the the land damaged but at least relatively open like you know they're they're not going to sell their ranch to um Halliburton or to you know Chipotle or some mm-hmm. like strip mall developer or something like you know and there's so much space out here like but you know it's in, in order for it to change, mm-hmm. would what would what would be some steps that would have to happen? So would they let's say it went through the policy went through that ranchers could no longer use public land? What would happen from that? Yeah. Like what would be maybe a, an effect? So from that? yeah, I guess. Ranchers, um, cows in the West, I think, comprise maybe 2% of, like, all the beef that's produced in the U.S., like, Just a 2%. tiny amount. Yeah. If it, if every cow in the West disappeared, you're, like, McDonald's cheeseburger. Because I heard McDonald's, they get their cattle from Australia. Oh, yeah, and, like, probably Brazil and stuff. Maybe they boycotted Brazil after the amazon fires or something but yeah they probably do like but uh, yeah you're probably right but really like yeah the price of beef would it's like just a just a tiny fraction of all the beef that that we produce here and that you know that doesn't even count for the all the cattle from canada or argentina or australia or whatever but uh um yeah, I, I don't really know. I think uh, a lot of conservation groups are trying to do things like buy um, – well, I don't know if there's laws in place that allow this yet because I know that they've really fought this, like various interests have fought this, but um, there there's a big push to allow conservation groups to buy – um like allotments like grazing allotments from from ranchers they don't own the land but you know have them retire their um their claim on that land and then you know comp- compensate them for that cuz i i definitely think that you know anyone who has to go out of business due to changing time should have an opportunity to you know make a living some other way but uh um yeah to put that land into trust it can no longer be grazed or whatever i think it would still be federally owned but uh um yeah it sort of phase it out over time and yeah who knows that might work i it's like it's like with hunting and a lot of things it's hard to imagine them lasting too many years in the future and well i I like the idea of hunting, but, uh, you know, there's things that are just sort of 
um, like kind of antiquated in a way. Like, I don't know. I, it's, I, it's probably not fair to Cody. You'll freak out. Oh yeah, he's all, he's, all, he's already ranching. sweating he's right now. He's on his way here now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but in just the way that people seem to be losing interest in these kinds of things, like you know, for better or worse, people don't want to go be ranchers anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's a good but, point. I've uh, never thought like, about that. I've never heard anybody say, like, when I grow up. Right, yeah. I want to be a rancher unless they lived in a family of ranchers. Yeah, and, like, you know, um, gosh, I... If it was just Bundys and the Bundys weren't out there, like, riding their four-wheelers up, like, like uh, mm-hmm. ruins and stuff, like, I wouldn't have a problem with with those, like, family ranchers, but, yeah, it's just the, I don't know, I probably would, if they were messing up my, um, you know, the, the dirt bikers and the cows up in the Moody just tear it to shreds and make it way less fun for everyone else, but, yeah. And so, I'd imagine you're in favor of public lands still being, aren't they still under the control, federal control? I think that's the best way, and, like, I definitely think that, uh, ideally, federal control, in some cases, has a bit more accountability. It's easier to, um, have a say in what goes on there. Like, they make it difficult, like, a lot of, um, clear-cutting programs and stuff that, like, the Forest Service wants to do, they those are like hugely unpopular programs, but the forest service is so tied in with like logging and, and ranching and stuff that they kind of bend over backwards for industry. Well, you know, the majority of people I think would be fine just leaving places alone. But, uh, is the alternative, it turns to privately owned. I think, uh, and if so, are, do you know have any arguments for private that right. are persuasive for you? Yeah, so like, yeah, private ownership can be really good. I think Castle Rocks down by City Rocks is is like sort of leased to the state. Um, I, I I think it's still privately owned, but I guess like if I could. Um, it's like that uh, American Prairie Preserve or whatever, that thing I was talking about, where they want to mm-hmm. just, like, turn it into a preserve and fill it with, like, bison and pronghorn and stuff. And, like, like if all private land could be that, um, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Like, there's questions of access as well. Like, who's to say? I don't know. I, I think... I think uh, federal or at least state, but states don't have as much uh, funding to, like Idaho would sell off, you know, any state-owned public land as quickly as it could if if it meant they could, I don't know, you know, if there was some budget shortfall, then that'd be the first thing to go, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, federal land is more safe in that way 
Well, but... let's let's say the Teton suddenly became private. Right. <laughs> um, and it was open to just anyone who has the money, right? Then would that, could that open up the door for there being, because I've heard some people say this, and I don't know if it's just like a, you know, a reductio ad absurdum, you know, mm-hmm. like that there'll just be McDonald's like on the Tetons. <laughs> and, but is there some truth to that, that there will be kind it, of like private corporations, you know, or little I, shops, trinket shops, like yeah. on the, by the trailhead? It's hard to know what a place like the Tetons would look like because I think most of the people that go to the Tetons are kind of there to go hike or or whatever. But uh, like the Grand Canyon, for instance, like people are constantly fighting to keep them from building like a gondola to the bottom of the canyon or like to allow like helicopter tours from Vegas or like no way just yes yeah, so, and it doesn't even have to be a lot of people would use that a lot of people would totally, buy that totally yeah and like, like a Dan Bozerian type you know yeah those like the <laughs> Instagram playboys and stuff <laughs> yeah that guy <laughs> man um wait uh, who's the guy he looks like a baby with like <laughs> painted on eyebrows um it's not Dan Bazarian, but I'll have to figure out his name. He's so funny. Michelle told me about him. He's such a freak. Is he kind of like a Dan Bazarian? Yeah, he yeah he looks like his eyebrows and his like little goatee chin strap thing are like drawn on, and he's got like it looks like he's wearing mascara. Just like a really wow. He sounds like, great. Like kind of. It sounds like a man, right? His grooming is really <laughs> suspect. <laughs> no, he, yeah, weird guy. But that is, you know what is sus- suspect? Exactly. It is that type of like grooming where it's the guy who has the very small, you know, uh, chin. Like, what is it called? Where the beard's like really thin and it goes along. Yeah, I don't know. Chin it goes strap. along the chin. Yeah, is that it called a chin strap? <laughs> I think so. It's just really narrow. Uh, and it goes all the way down here, and there's just in the, a goatee. Yeah, it's so, like, it's like guys who you think... Do women like that? I I doubt it. I don't know. But that's, like... I wonder you know, how that's that like started. like dating, uh, like, coach. Like, uh, probably some women do. <laughs> I guess there's some men. But I guess like, there's some. There's the guy, like, talk about, like... Matthew McConaughey probably has like BO and like never wears shoes. But then there's why, the guys that look like they're. Why do you think that about Matthew McConaughey? He's like always like sweaty. He does, like, he does. He's a working man, dude. Yeah. He's oh. been working on a ranch. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's but like, guys I can't that believe look like... that. That's so funny. <laughs> he just looks like he smells. <laughs> he like, does look sweaty, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. Like you could. Yeah, Always I, looks like kind of like a slick, sweaty though. Yeah, like you'd you know go I mean? to Smith Park and he'd be on like a slack line or something. <laughs> and like, <laughs> so he's like a hippie southerner. I guess I don't know. He's a hybrid. <laughs> but then there's guys who are like too clean and they look like they smell too good, like or just like axe. Yeah, that's suspect too. Some if a guy smells too good and their beard is like trimmed too. Or their facial hair is, like, trimmed too exactly, it seems. You know like. what? A really 
close dear friend of mine <laughs> um who happens to be gay mm-hmm. he told me that so he's he is attracted to really masculine looking mm-hmm. men and he's he pointed out to me that type of guy that doesn't attract him. The mm-hmm. guy who, if he just let him go a little bit, mm-hmm. he'd be masculine. Yeah. But he takes care of himself too much. Yeah. Trims himself too much. Yeah. Like, plucks his eyes, eyebrows too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But <laughs> when you say plucks his eyes. Or um, his eyebrows, I, know, I guess. I know. But like, uh, <laughs> That reminded me, I was listening to this thing. I guess there was this, uh, like, post-World War II, like, this guy who was, like, into Nazi ideology. Like, I think he started this, or he was, like, a big part of this colony in, like, uh, Chile, or... I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look it up again. His name's Paul Schaefer, like, the David Letterman guy. But Oh, uh, yeah. Um... He, <laughs> I think it was this Paul Schaefer. Yeah, it might have been a note of the guy in the story. But anyway, <laughs> he was trying to untie his shoes <laughs> with, when he was a kid with a fork, <laughs> and he Just ended up like was the knot too tight? I, I guess, and he ended up like stabbing his eye with a fork. How did he manage like, that? He was like pulling up. Oh my shoes. gosh. A fork in the eye? <laughs> like, this, like, not... He was also... That's if like it's the Paul Schaefer guy, he was, like, nightmares. a major, like, like, prolific, like, uh, child molester. Like, a oh, one, like a Nazi child molester who's also super dumb and poked his own eye out with a fork. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that reminds me, speaking of Paul Schaefer, and then kind of <laughs> kind of with the fork thing as well. I remember when I was a little kid, um, I left my bedroom and my mom was watching Late Night mm-hmm. with David Letterman. And I was so little that they did this little skit that... <laughs> scared me so bad and it was years until i had to get over it and then i was like kevin that was just a stupid like gimmick so (laughs) paul schaefer has a deck of cards and he takes one card out and he throws it at david letterman and then the next shot you see david letterman with like the card in his head and it's like it's obviously just like you know one that's like taped onto his head right. with like fake blood dripping down. Yeah, and that scared me so bad. I was just like, that's so violent. <laughs> Took me years, and awesome. you know what? And that just reminded me of it. Paul Brought it back. Schaefer. Good old Paul Schaefer, dude. He, he was funny. He would have like Man, little wisecracks. Yeah, I, like I never got Letterman as a kid, but it's like every comedian that I like like idolized david letterman he was like the uh oh really generation just before like all the comedians that was he kind of like because it went who was before him johnny johnny carson i think gosh i don't know i think leno got johnny carson's show um so was david letterman kind of like the conan of his day yeah like we grew up with conan Mm -hmm. yeah sort of like like the late late show like smart aleck like uh kind of alternative comedy in a way like it was definitely like i don't know i still haven't watched much of it 
I've watched a little and like heard interviews with David Letterman and he does seem like a like a funny like uh like funny in a creative way, you know. Yeah. But um Yeah, definitely Johnny Carson was before and then like Leno and Letterman and then yeah, Conan I like the Johnny Carson guys. scene. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh like Mrs. Bennett, the librarian at the high school. She was uh-huh. like the film festival lady. She between uh like at the Madison Mad Cat Film Festival, she'd put uh, clips of Johnny Carson like between the student films and remember like nobody liked them. <laughs> like I was like, Oh, this is so dumb and old but it's like good stuff. I don't yeah. know. Dude, I, I remember funny. in fifth grade, my teacher showed us Marx Brothers. Yeah. And for a little while, I was like, I don't really get this. Because it was just kind of the slapstick kind of Yeah. Humor. But they're genuinely funny. Like, Dan and I were cracking up about this, uh, gosh, it was like an outtake from uh, Tim and Eric, some season of Tim and Eric, and... Uh, Tim was talking about like how the three stooges were developing this like act and and just the thought like and he starts cracking up but just the thought of the three (laughs) stooges like sitting down and like developing like like thinking through this like they they probably were smart guys and stuff but it's like just just, like the most boneheaded like idiotic stuff like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yes the three professor mo and like <laughs> that could be uh, like in the simpsons <laughs> that would be hilarious to see that animated yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> man man what were we i think we were talking about something important private, and then we started yeah. talking about oh like private, private land, land. And... yeah like i don't yeah, like private land can be great, but I also, you know, a lot of people should be able to use land, but people shouldn't like overuse land. You know, there's so many different questions. Like, they have a lottery to get ticket, like uh, passes to do Mount Whitney in California. It's like the tallest mountain in the lower 48, and uh, you can show up to the ranger station first thing in the morning, and you might be able to get like a standby pass to do it. And it sucks, but like, what's the alternative? Just like let people, um, like trash the place, like let as many people go as you want. Like, there's like a balance between, um, like totally free open public land and anyone can do anything they want on it versus like well managed public land versus you know, private land that's taken care of and, you know, pretty good access for people, which is rare. And then private land where people just, like, plant a bunch of, like, they just build a giant lawn or something and, or, I don't know, they they build a big fence and stock it with, like, trophy bulls and let, um, like, Donald Trump Jr. go and, like, like have someone carry him out to where the elk are like on their back and then and then they hold the gun for him and he like pulls the trigger with a string so he doesn't have to be too close to the gun like i don't know there's like so many questions that 
but I do think like well managed uh, public land is is the safest or like most long term um, solution for for yeah giving as many people like chances to recreate and and also protect wildlife like like I I don't know I a lot of conservation people talk about how we shouldn't be thinking of wildlife in like management terms like mm-hmm. to go off on a slight tangent but like uh um and I mean I think there's different ways you can look at it like you can envision like a fairly healthy ecosystem without carnivores um but like I think a lot of people would prefer an ecosystem with bears and with wolves and and things like that and then you have to figure out like how many are are good for for what types of uh herbivore populations you want and like gosh it's just uh well that that makes me think what's your opinion on this if you were to not allow the hunting of wolves for example in idaho would that would there be a natural kind of weaning process where it, there would be a leveling out of the elk population with the wolf wolf population or do you think that humans should come in intersect somehow and uh have some like animal control yeah i don't know like uh the more I read into it, the more complicated it is. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's, like, I think you kind of have to know when, when you're reading someone's, like, research about it. And I I haven't done much of that. But I just, like, the opinions of, like, people I've heard, you have to know where their, what their goals are. Do they want lots of elk for people to hunt? Or do they want, like, a a more, like you know hopefully self-sustaining like balance between elk and wolves like um it usually is that isn't it it's usually or or are they just like you know rednecks that just want to shoot wolves like and they have no like uh real thought out like goal you know yeah and i'd like to think that that's the minority yeah but you have those guys who want to kill wolves other people who are in favor of the control would be ranchers mm-hmm. for sure yeah and then um hunters who want to hunt yeah elk and it's yeah it's like uh i've i've heard that definitely uh, so a conservationist would one in particular i can't think of his name right now but uh his his argument is um or he lays it out like definitely wolves like just like slaughtered like kind of isolated small herds of elk that are in like the Yellowstone um, within the park you know during the winter like, oh and it was a surplus killing yeah like there will be an hot act. springs and yeah, yeah yeah an active surplus yeah well they'll just suddenly strike and just kill and just kill tons, tons of them of wolves, just slit their throats yeah and I don't know maybe wolves like 
I don't I don't know if surplus killing like I'm just speculating, but I wonder if wolves are just expecting the elk to stay there because it's winter and you know they can eat him for a, a couple yeah, of months. Yeah, I don't know. You know, but surplus killing is kind of a mystery to me. Yeah. But, I don't know uh, if it's like a random thing where they'll do that because they think that they won't have opportunities later. Or like when yeah. it comes to um, with cattle, all of a sudden they're in an area where there's just like so much food. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of instinctual for them to kill. For sure, yeah. Um, I do, yeah, so he goes on like uh, you have all that uh, slaughter and like pockets but for the most part, um, the wolf population in the last few years doesn't seem to be as big of a factor as um, things that are more associated with climate change, like drier summers with shorter green periods um, are really hard on elk. Um, uh, yeah, stuff like that. Stuff that um, is harder to is harder to manage so yeah i don't know like i Uh, so i've never heard about that so Mm -hmm. because of climate change that that would be having a a bad effect yeah on elk population or on all animals i I, you know like um in the west in particular it seems like climate change will have mostly negative effects because it seems like things will just get drier and hotter um and so that means that uh you know, elk that were used to eating whatever elk eat, Cody better get here soon and <laughs> tell me, but um, pine needles or whatever. No, they, you know, the, the he, stuff yeah, they forage. Yeah, he's human right now. <laughs> he, he, he didn't consider teach us me well city enough. folk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like so, yeah, but, you know, elk forage um, is best presumably and i'm no expert but from what this guy was saying uh when when it's green and which makes sense um and they can put on the most fat and stuff when they're able to graze like green forage for as long as possible um and uh, so yeah i you know wolves uh do account for um reduction in population but uh it just so happens that like the recorded uh you know average temperatures going up kind of coincide with the reintroduction of wolves like they're not they have nothing to do with one another but you know two things that are hard for elk happening at the same time is oh i see yeah kind of uh troubling but so i don't know i'd like i i don't like the idea of killing uh predators because uh, it just doesn't seem i don't know the the methods that are used i think are <clears throat> just seem i don't know unsportsmanlike and and uh it, it's interesting that like uh like the Shoshone and stuff would not hunt um, grizzlies at all. Really? Like they regarded them as like... And not because of out of fear? 
Yeah, yeah, they'd they'd hunt uh, black bears, but uh, and I shouldn't have said Shoshone. I have no idea. I just assume like tribes in this area, but grizzlies were way more widespread, so it was probably like, you know, pretty common amongst like native populations. But uh, yeah, it was pretty rare, I think, for <clears throat> them to want to hunt grizzlies just out of like sort of like spiritual respect or <clears throat> something like that. But I don't know. But I don't know. I I I wouldn't like unless someone was out there shooting like like the last jaguar in Arizona or something like I guess they can do what they want as long as it's well managed, you know. But did you hear do you remember a few years ago outside of Rigby there were over like 30 pronghorn that were just gunned down. Oh man. Someone, maybe like just a group of like, who knows, teenage boys, college boys, drunk adults, I don't know. But um, 100% they were male. Yeah, (laughs) um, no question. (laughs) um, But, uh, and just in the middle of the night just went out and just took them down. And then they didn't take them. They just, it was just out for like bloodlust basically. Yeah. Like that, like gosh which those people which i've learned this thanks to cody (laughs) and others the people that hate those people the most people that hate poachers the most are hunters right yeah like do you think i i kind of i kind of feel like the people that ruin things like people that throw their trash out on on the beach or whatever or like dump their <laughs> motor oil down the like gutter or whatever right. that's got to be like such a tiny percent of the population like i would think so like it's so easy to think that oh we can't like like i we should just like totally close arches national park because someone's gonna like crash their jeep into one of the arches or something and, like, <laughs> right and like someone might do that but like you know it's just i don't know well you know what i was thinking about that's kind of related to that is when i went to the one of the museums i forget which what it was but it was one of the museums in new york oh yeah and um there was like original i'm so used to seeing like not the real picture you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. just like you can buy a poster from Amazon or allposters.com. Yeah. And it was like, this was the real Van Gogh, Starry Night, yeah. and stuff like that. And what's crazy is that there's no, like, gate around it. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no... Like, you could go right up to it. If you were a lunatic, you could go right up to it and just throw it off the wall or just stab <laughs> it. Right. It's like, stab Van Gogh's painting with a, yeah. with a dagger. Isn't there some, like, conspiracy that, like, uh, the real Mona Lisa, like, disappeared a long time ago and it's, like, a replica? I've heard Um, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, isn't that scary? Like, why hasn't that happened? Maybe it has happened. 
uh, like, I don't want to give anyone any ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cody's like, <"Well>, I, <laughs> you know, I've never been in a museum. He hates art and <laughs> culture, so he would. <laughs> no, he loved the wire, so he's got. He does have good taste. Oh, you said that that is amazing. The wire. It's so so good. Yeah, like. Um, that main actor. Um, uh, I love him. The black big guy, guy from yeah um, from London. Yeah, uh, Idris Elba. Yeah, he's yeah. such a stud. Yeah, and he's a great like, he's like great villain like. And I heard his American great. accent is just spot on. It sounds good to me. Like I think every like there's a lot of uh, I think English, like UK actors in that, and they all the ones that I know of sound good to me, but. I'll oh, hear yeah. people like, oh, his accent's so bad. I'm like, it's like, what do you know? Don't <laughs> yeah. know a thing. But Seriously. They sound fine to me. But. but you know who I think is a fantastic actor uh, with accents? I think her name is Kate McDonald. And she does mm-hmm. kind of smaller roles. She's usually like a supporting role. Yeah. But like in... So she's Scottish. Mm-hmm. Born in Glasgow. Grew up with a thick... Glaswegian accent but she plays like here a couple of her roles like she played Llewellyn's wife in No Country for Old Men oh with yeah with that like deep southern accent yeah wow yeah Llewellyn like yeah her she did really well in that movie <laughs> and then she's yeah. also I don't know if you've seen any of the Harry Potter movies yeah mm-hmm. she's one of the ghosts she's Helena Ravenclaw Okay. On the last Harry Potter, she's the one who. I, know I saw that. But. She gets like really angry, but her emotions are like really. She has like a roller coaster of like. She's very sad, and then she's very angry. She's just so good. Yeah. But she, in that one, she has a very posh. British yeah. RP accent. It's Man. just it's just amazing seeing like some actresses actors. Oh, yeah. And their skill I, with that. I can't even, I can barely talk, like, in <laughs> general. And I, and I, I, uh, yeah, it's such a, such a skill to be able to do an accent well. Um, like, sometime you'll have to, because if you go into, like, speech therapy, speech pathology, mm-hmm. um, when I try and speak Russian, like, I stutter, like, I can't. Uh, oh, for real? Yeah. And I don't really, never really had much of a stutter in English, but... Uh, is it when you're speaking Russian or, like, when you have to, before you're speaking it? It's, uh, it's certain syllables, so it might be more, I don't know. I'm sure there's, like, different types of stuttering and stuff, you know, like... I think so. But, uh, yeah, But it's, I've never heard of that. It's and, certain uh, syllables, That's interesting yeah. that... Is it maybe because of anxiety? I don't know. It could of be. Of speaking a foreign yeah. language in front of... I think that's part of it. But, uh... Um... And it might just... It might be partly that and partly, like... Um... Difficulty in making those... Oh, yeah. ...sounds, you know? The kind of unfamiliar pronunciations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Russian has some tricky sounds, don't they? Doesn't it's, it? Doesn't they? <laughs> it is, <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. So they have... 
give me some examples. Yeah. Because I can hear it like in my in my head. Yeah. So a lot of it is um, quite similar to English, but there's a vowel that um, it's it looks like a lowercase b and like a lowercase l next to each other. Okay. Um, and they say to like people who would try and teach an English speaker how to pronounce that um, you make you act like you're gonna you're saying oh like like kind of like uh, yeah just the vowel o and then and then you like smile while you're saying that is how I heard oh, how weird. I've heard it described so it's like oh like so is it, is it like two vowels like where they kind of two vowels merge into one into each other is that like, it's like a, a diphthong? diphthong no um it's yeah it's just like a or is it a salt like a pure vowel that but it's just it's one sound it's like a common um that's really yeah that's it's hard it's one sound it's pretty common like it's in like most pronouns but like that. like I don't know and you can just sort of fake it like like muy like muy like we you'd say we like um let's see sidim muy sidim like we are sitting I think I so would that be a vowel that people would be able to detect probably easily like okay this person yeah isn't yeah. native yeah I think so cause like film the word film that's the that's the vowel in the word film and it's spelled just like our word film except for that vowel and so it's like theme kind of and there's like a soft L as well like film and like I tried saying that and like no one knew what I was saying I was like <laughs> how different is it like it's not that different they might have just been being jerks can you can you detect i've heard russians are pretty uh pretty tough they're they're like i mean without like painting too broad of a brush they're i think they like when at least the people i met they they were pretty interested in like kind of sharing their language you know but um but they yeah they they're they're kind of direct i guess in a way like yeah they would uh point out things that were wrong if you were saying them you know wrong. that's so different from like spanish speakers i've mm-hmm. spanish speakers like if i've ever tried to speak spanish with native spanish speakers they're they're always so complimentary and they're like oh you speak so well and i know i don't but it's still encouraging yeah whereas i've heard it in like if you're in paris i've heard the french oh yeah can be really critical of mispronunciations and french is difficult it's difficult pronunciations it's so like if i i mean very different from english pronunciations yeah yeah if someone was like telling me directions there and was saying like place names in Russia or in France? In, in France. Uh, I was in France for a couple weeks, I guess. But, uh, yeah, like, I couldn't even tell what they were saying. Like, like Jeez. if I could read something, at least I could 
recognize that word, you know, mm-hmm. and like have some sort of misshapen pronunciation in my head, but like, <laughs> and they'd say the word and it wouldn't even like be close to what I thought it was. But Russian, like, aside from that and like soft consonants, like many consonants like M and L and, um, T, like a lot of them can be softened and okay. it's like palatized. Have mm. you heard that term? Mm-hmm. Like I, I hadn't before trying to learn Russian, but, um, and it's funny that weird vowel that the vowel is, is like the softened version of E, like the backwards N, you know, oh. that's E and then the, like it's, every it's, vowel it, has a softened version. It seems it. that it's usually vowels that are what really kind of gives somebody away. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. consonants are easier to imitate. Yeah. One thing though, Russians are super, um, what's the word? They enunciate really, uh, like very like sharp enunciation. Oh, really? So like, you know, you'd say like mountain. If you say mountain, I've heard like Thomas Anderson say that, but not any right. other English speakers. I, I know Mason but. makes a point to really hit those T's. Like Mason does that too. Yeah, yeah, often. Which I actually read the, I, I, I looked up the history is. of often. And actually that, historically that T wasn't pronounced either. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't matter either yeah. way. But it, but if you want to be really strict about it, if that yeah. rule, you know. But that's good if you're trying to speak Russian. Like, um, it's kind of hard to. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of any word that I know that. There's a few, like almost all letters, you can tell they're softened, by which vowel it is for one thing, or, if it's a consonant, it'll have that little lowercase b shaped thing afterward. That's a. So, it's so just like a modifier. How would you soften a vowel? Um, I, I think, uh, I think the correct term would be palatize the vowel, but, um, so like you'd bring your tongue closer to the, your palate. Yeah, I think so. Like, uh, O there's O and then there's yo. So yeah, like your tongue, like, uh, kind of like grazes it, kind of brings brings it to the higher up up. a little bit. Yeah. And like a, I'm trying to, hold on. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, so the A is pretty much always pronounced like, uh. Okay, um, it's more open. Yeah, yeah, and then the palatized A is yeah, it's the backwards R. Oh. Um, and then, um, yeah. It, yeah, it's, Russian's cool, because, like, pretty much any time you see a letter, you know what it's supposed to sound like. Oh, yeah, that was my next question. It's phonetic, then. Yeah, it's phonetic, and every word only has one single uh, accent. So, like, one syllable is is the accented syllable, and you kind of have to know oh, really? so, the word or kind of know, like, the patterns in Russian to know which syllable it is, but it's pretty easy to guess after not too much practice. So where in Russia did you go? So I went to Moscow. I flew to Moscow and then uh, um, was there for a while. Then, How was that? Was that cool? Yeah, it was way cool. Like, 
I've heard that they really celebrate their riders there. Like yeah, like, yeah. They really honor them. Yeah, in you Moscow know, and Petersburg and stuff. I'm I'm sure there is one, but I I can't think of a Tolstoy metro stop. But there's a Dostoevsky metro. There's a Mayakovsky no metro. Way. There's a. I'm probably I'm sure a Pushkin. Oh, there's all kinds like of stuff. Pushkin. So, one of my friends there, she was like going on like a tinder date and they agreed to meet by the pushkin statue by the mcdonald's and they both went to two different places because there were two different (laughs) mcdonald's with pushkin statues by them and like uh gogol um i don't think there's a gogol metro but there's a gogol park i don't know if it's called gogol park but um there's like a statue of like some of his uh or like I can't remember if it was a statue or if it was like one of those like um what do you, I don't know you call it like a brass like or bronze I mean like embossed like pictograph thing you know what I mean okay like, yeah something that depicted something from a Gogol story um what about like the more kind of a uh, controversial in Russia that like a for the Soviet Union, like oh yeah, uh, Solzhenitsyn. Yeah, so I didn't see much r- about him in the city, but in one of the museums, there was a whole like exhibit dedicated to him. And-